if it becomes a true problem that after we've talked to them that we just bump them down to part-time we'll just say look until you can prove that you want to be here full-time you're down you're down to 25 hours a week and we've had to do that to a couple staff and some of them ended up stepping up and then some of them we've lost but to me it was something they were going to leave anyway My name is Stephen Smith, and this is the 3 Pi Squared ABA Business Leaders Podcast. On this podcast, we discuss the business of ABA and how to create an ethical and sustainable ABA practice. For more information on our ABA Business Leaders membership or any of the other services and products we provide, you can check us out at www.3pisquared.com. My name is April Smith. I live in Northern Virginia and I am an ABA clinic owner for a little over 10 years now, but mostly for that entire time, we um, provide in-home services. Um, and we've had ranging sizes of teams from one to two BCBAs up to about eight BCBAs at one time. So we've kind of had a, a range of size. So yeah, that's me. Um, my name is Mallory. I live in Orange Bay, South Seattle, Washington. Um, I run an in-home company. I'm the only BCBA. I have two gals that are coming up that are training to become BCBAs and lots of clients. I'm Derek Tony. Uh, I run a small uh, center-based uh, ABA company in DuPont, Washington. So probably like 30 minutes from you. We are really small. We have, I have just about six employees, uh, two BCBAs, uh, and then two or three RBTs, uh, three RBTs. And then uh, I just you know, supervise all of it. My name's uh, Jennifer Helton, and I have a company here in Texas. Um, we do a hybrid of clinic and home therapy. Um, we've actually started working a great deal with a number of private schools in the area. And um, we have two BCBAs, um, I have a BCABA, and I have three RBTs who are going through our supervision program, and we have about 11 RBTs. It's hard at this point. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us again. So in continuing our KPI topic, we're talking about cancellations, both staff and clients. And how expensive that comes out to be for a company. So Stephen made this nifty little tool here that allows us to see how much revenue is lost just by cancellations. So I don't know if the numbers are entirely accurate. We could kind of talk about this and put this together ourselves. But if we're looking at two BCBAs, um, having a caseload each of actually about 10 each for a total of 20, and then assuming about 15 hours per case, I assume that's based on tech hours, and then 5% of program modification and 5% of care and training, and then an average of 10% cancellation. I don't know if you guys calculate your cancellation rates at all or have any numbers. Yeah. And that would be about what I would say, sometimes around like 15. It always, of course, like the summer, there's always a bit more. And then of course, like the holidays, there's a bit more. But I think across the board, around that 10 to 15% for both. Is that is that percentage like for the annual percentage or is that monthly or quarterly? I assume it's annual. Okay. I do, I do monthly. I calculate mine out, but that's why like across the year, I would, I would assume it's, it would come out to be about that. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that if it's on your annual. Yeah. And then these were TRICARE rates that are public, New Mexico rates. So we just use that for the calculations. 
And based on this, it shows a lost revenue of 331269 So it's very expensive cancellations. And that's why we really want to go into detail talking about this and some ways you guys might proactively work with clients and staff to prevent cancellations and anything you found successful that has reduced cancellations either with staff or clients. So maybe starting with parents first, because we did talk about staff a little bit last time, so we could um, more on burnout with staff. But with parents, is there anything specifically that you've noticed that has worked, that has been effective with reducing client cancellations? One thing that I do is I block out specific times during each month. Like October, we don't have any blockout dates. But in the summer, every month we have blockout dates. And the thing that it helps with is that the parents actually are more proactive in scheduling their vacations around those blockout dates. So, and, and even our text too. And I put those dates out well in advance, typically a year in advance. So they kind of know already Certainly we still have some parents who like, you know, can't schedule it for that time because it's a family reunion or something. But I have definitely noticed that parents have started to coincide with those blockout dates that I have. And they're also usually around specific holidays like the 4th of July and Memorial Day and Labor Day. I've actually done the same thing to Mallory. So we had about six to eight weeks built in our schedule of time off. And we had a calendar and the parents would always get it at intake. So they knew time off and that we tried to schedule vacations around those holidays and time off. And I also felt like it was helpful for staff and parents because everyone knew, oh, we have a vacation coming up. So they knew that break was coming and they could plan accordingly. So I, I felt that, like that was effective too in our practice. Well, and even like scheduling appointments and stuff. I know that a lot of families look at the calendar in a whole and schedule dentist appointments. Um, I know my techs do because they're like, oh, I don't want to miss work. I don't want to have to make up those hours. So they'll schedule it during that time too. I definitely think that planning ahead is the key to the cancellations. I think that just like you said, and that's one thing that I have noticed that pattern over the years is that almost all of the families have taken this vacation before the school started. So we planned our staff in service before school started because it just happened like all the families decided to take their kids on vacation before school started. I don't know if it was this hesitation of, is school really starting? Is it going to start? Is it going to stop? So we said we're going to do a staff in service before school starts. One thing that I did in, along the same line that Brooke was saying is just being super transparent up front. When I go over the handbook in the very beginning of services, I have a whole section to just explain this is how scheduling works. That if one client moves, then for us, it's a big Tetris board. You know, if one client goes out of town, we have to shift. And as soon as they kind of got how it operates, and like explaining, like if staff don't work, then of course, you know, they don't get paid. A lot of parents were, that was shocking to them mm -hmm. um, that if they're not working, that they don't get paid. I'm going to piggyback on everybody else. And, and I, that's in our parent handbook as well. When we sit down and we talk in the parent handbook in the scheduling, it says, if you cancel, our staff does not get paid. Like literally this is their livelihood. And I think for me, that was a hard boundary at first because I didn't want it to sound like this is just about money. But at the end of the day, this is, this is how people pay their bills. Right. And they're here for the right reasons, but we all need our money. Right. We all need our paycheck. 
Another thing that we did is we've let parents know ahead of time when we're going to be closed, but we didn't do it the week before school started. We did it the week of school because that always seems to be a huge cancellation week. So we spent three days when school started and we just did it in, in just total immersion training. One thing I did do that I hadn't really done in the past is I ran an analysis on the most commonly canceled day. And so over the summer, I noticed last year and the two years before that, the two summers, Fridays are the most canceled day by parents and Mondays are the most called in day by staff. This summer, we ended our sessions by three every Friday and we put all of our clients who historically canceled on a Friday at the beginning of the week and we had zero cancellations over the summer. Even our staff call-in rate dropped significantly because they had a two and a half day weekend. So staff call-in has dropped exponentially from that. I give you credit. You and I'll be analytic on us for, for a good for five minutes. I've not looked at the, at all that data on there, but I mean, it's a great way to look at things and I'll see. I'll tell what you mean. what I told my staff, because when they're calling in on the Mondays, I finally called them all out. And I said, listen, I was young once. And when you call me at 7.15 in the morning on Monday and say you were sick on Sunday, I'm calling BS. Yeah. Now with, you know, a little bit extended weekend, it's really, it really has made a difference. I have done analysis on specific families before that have cancellation issues where like I've already had to talk to them about like, hey, you know, there's this percentage you're canceling and stuff. And it was unfortunately Fridays. But then I realized that it was because the kiddo got out of school at 1.30 on Fridays. Oh, okay. And so then oftentimes they were planning like, oh, let's go on a vacation or something. And so when it came to scheduling for this fall, they wanted Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I unfortunately just said, I'm sorry, but Fridays are your typical pattern. Let's go ahead and do Tuesday, Thursday. When I see that it's at 90% and above or above, then I will consider adding more time in and maybe we'll do the Monday, Wednesday, Friday block. But right now I can't do that. Something that I have found to be helpful is uh, I'm not a threatening person. You know, I, I, I never had the, the courage to be like, hey, you know, like some other owners or, you know, managers, supervisors, whatever can kind of be direct and tell people like, hey, here's some really bad news. So I was I'm always working to find ways or, uh, to avoid harsh conversations with parents. Not that what you were saying uh, was harsh or anything. I just totally detoured the conversation. And I'm sorry, uh, but I'm really not a threatening person either. So I'm, I'm the worst when it comes yeah, to that. Yeah, you're great. Um, <laughs> something that I found that, that I think has stuck with some of the parents that we, or some of the families that I work with is that I started about a year ago, every month going through all the goals that we're working on and all the graphs. And then of course, plotting on the y-axis by date. And by doing that, you can, of course, see the changes in the kids' performance if there are these weeks or these vacations. And so I go through it and the parents really love it, you know, because we get to talk through, you know, how they're progressing. How is this skill, you know, going for their child compared to these other skills, et cetera. Um, but that really sticks out to a lot of parents because you do tend to see a little bit of drop in performance if they are gone for a week or two. And when you show that on a graph, a parent's like, oh, like they can actually see the effects of it. You know, and it's not just saying that, you know, the kids' skills are, are deteriorating, but that they were in a good groove, you know, with their RBT or BCBA. And that has to be built back up if you're gone for two or three weeks, you know, routinely. 
We've used uh, the, the conversation uh, with about insurance with our parents before, too, because if we have cases who have a higher cancellation rate and we're not able to get the hours or get hours near what's authorized and then they start titrating hours, it's really hard for us to fight for those hours if the parents, you know, if that's their availability and their, um, you know, lack of, you know, cancellations, you know, really are a barrier. And so we kind of and when it gets to that point, when we start seeing like that rate increasing, you know, we talk to them about, hey, you know, this is going to make it harder to get those hours that we need because insurance is going to see that we're not using the hours that are delegated and authorized for the services. And then, of course, like all you guys said, you know, presenting like the policies and stuff in the very beginning. And so how we do it is if we say if there was more than two consecutive weeks that the family is going to be gone, then um, they automatically go on a wait list or they aren't guaranteed to have the same tech when they come back or the same BCBA possibly. And that's really helped a lot of our families who tend to take extended vacations over the summer and over, you know, over time, they have definitely decreased that amount. Well, for me in those circumstances, because I, I say the same thing that April said, where I, I, we can't guarantee it, the same people, especially this year with school starting, it was pretty treacherous. And just feasibly, you know, like I did have to move people around, especially around those breaks. Right. So like April said, you know, she's, if it's two consecutive weeks that they're going to be gone, that she'll, you know, say to them, you know, you're kind of on a wait list or you might not have the same tech when you get back. Because the reality is I, I don't, I don't think I could sustain that. And so then and essentially I feel like when they come back and they get the same tech and the same schedule, then it's reinforcing their behavior. Mm-hmm. So I guess with a smaller company, I just don't know that I'm able to do that. Yeah. So when we were in home, it was much harder. Typically with those situations, we would have a lot of like shadowing for the, for the tech. We would have a lot of shadowing admin work that they could do, you know, to fill those hours while they were out, while that thing was out. But yeah, if the family came back and normally it would be the same person in the center, it's much easier to make those swaps. But there were definitely a couple of times where just kind of the cards fell just right, where this person's other family was leaving when this other kid's uh, family was out of town. So it did work like that, where they did come back to a new person. Less than half of the time, would I be able to assign someone new to it? It would be like 20% of the time. Yeah, I mean, we've had varying sizes of a company or mostly all in home. And so it really does depend on your staff. And when you have a smaller staff, it is harder, especially if you're able to give them like odd jobs and give them extra work to do during the two weeks to sustain their hours and then put them back on the same case, because ultimately maybe that is what's best for the client. And so we kind of look into all of those factors too. It's kind of like that thing where you give your policies and procedures in the beginning of like your most stringent rules and then you bend the rules as you see fit um, according to what's best for the kid and so there was a, you know one kid who had a lot of medical issues and he would be out for two weeks at a time here and there and there was nothing the family the family were trying their best you know it wasn't their fault and so what we would do is we would make sure we had like a rotation for that specific kid so that no one had all those eggs in their basket. So when he was out sick for two or three weeks, they would lose their hours. And then we also had like a, um, we, 
we have like a base salary for our techs. And so they, um, if they go under 20 hour, 20 billables, they get to come into the office or they get to do extra training or that help keep our turnover rate low because of, you know, having that base. So we had that already planned into the situation to kind of keep those techs. So there were quite a few times where, but, you know, sometimes you're going to have difficult situations. And, you know, we've had one particular case where I felt like we were, unfortunately reinforcing that behavior and they weren't quite, we weren't able to be super consistent. And so we ended up just having to have a difficult conversation with them. So yeah, in in my opinion, I feel like it's the most difficult thing dealing with client cancellations, but staff cancellations, um, I feel like we have a little more control over. And um, so to kind of pivot on to, um, to staff cancellations, if you guys would like to say a little bit about how you handle that, what you're policy is um, a couple of things that we've done over the years is we've had like a, you know, just like a lot of places of business where you have like a um, calendar where, you know, people ask for time off. And if that time frame is already, you know, someone's already put in for that time frame, then you may or may not get your request um, to make sure that we don't have too many. Because early in the business, we <laughs> we made that mistake. Sure. Yeah, you can take time off. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, grandma's sick. OK, you want to go on vacation? Sure. And then we ended up where we had a week where our billables were down to like, I don't know, 10 billables or something. And every Everyone was out and no BCBs were BCBAs were there to like handle such a, it was bad. And so we, you know, you learn, right. And then you make policy changes and, and you um, put those things into place. So, um, and then as far as tracking, we definitely track all of our clients. Um, we, we track whether they cancel within 24 hours, whether they cancel um, more than 24 hours, if they have like what we would consider an excuse cancellation versus, and um, and then we look at, you know, if there are certain people who go beyond a certain percentage of cancellation, then we bring them in and have like an, an action meeting and put a goal in place. And we problem solve to see like, why, why are we canceling? You know, what's going on? And so, and then we, of course, kind of put a behavior plan in place and, and help um, our staff. So I do feel like we have a little bit more control in that matter, but I'd love to hear what, what, what you guys, uh, what your can like what your staff cancellation rate tends to run and then how you guys, um, you know, handle that. Cancellation. It's, it's a tough one, but I try to honor it as much as I can. And the Jewish holidays just came about. So I played that into PTO days with that also, and they can use that for that. So I try to be really helpful with PTO. And I, I do tell them they can't take more than 15 hours per pay period. That way the company doesn't get screwed. So they can't be like, oh, I'm using all 40 hours in my one work week that's given to me. So they can only use 15 hours per pay period. So they understand that that way it's truly like a gift and don't abuse it. So they're not front loading all their hours at the way beginning. That was one thing that our, our attorney said to us, he's like, you could front load it, but then you're really gonna, you can get two people saying they want all 40 hours and you're going to get 80 hours that you're paying up front. Right. That was one thing that our, that our attorney did advise us and he understands this whole business. And he said, you could do it, but you're really going to shoot yourself in the foot because when are you going to see those 80 hours back from insurance? And I said, it could take 90 days to 2,000 days before we see those 80 hours back. But um, the, it's, I'd say that I'm trying really hard to respect the RBTs and the, the BCBAs as much as possible and giving them that, those days. We started for a while there, we were having problems with cancellations. This was when I was first starting and I was like, yeah, sure. You want off, you can have off and you can have off, you know, and like, y'all, I mean, nobody wants to deny it because we all know how hard this job is. Right. And you don't want to lose 
like, do you take the hit of them taking the day off or do you take the hit of them quitting and happen? And then, you know, we've already had the conversation of how much it costs to, so what we started doing when we were seeing a really trend, a couple things was what was going on, you know, like where they burnt out was this client, a burnout client. Cause you know, we all have those kinds of clients. What I saw was, is that I know none of, none of us want to be, I'm pretty direct, but I'm not, I do not like the hard conversations. I'll have them if I have to, but I don't like them. And kind of like you, Derek, I'm like, okay, I'll dance around it till I finally have to just do it. Right. But what we started doing for a while there was because it was becoming, it was almost becoming a problem with all of our staff that we said, okay, look, if you're going to cancel in under 24 hours, you're going to make those hours up on Saturday. And the minute that we did that, it took about three or four months for us to follow through on it and and immediately put them on a Saturday that started going. But then we were like, well, what's the bigger issue here? Like, why are we having such high rates of cancellation? So we also had to take that into account, but it's very hard for me to tell a person they can't have time off. Like it, it, especially if they've earned it, you know, and you're right. Like, what do you do? Say no. And then they call in sick anyway. It's just such a hard thing. I think to find that balance. I am. I mean, I, I had a, I had a really tough conversation with my RBTs, right? And I said, I'm, I'm going to take it to extreme, right? And I said, I'm going to take it from a mother's perspective, and I'm going to take it from from the from your boss perspective, and I'm going to say from a mom's perspective, eight o'clock hits, right? There's four kids I got to get up off the off, to get up out the door. I said, and here's little Johnny. He looks at his calendar. He sees breakfast, and then he sees your picture on the schedule. And so we're ready to go. And on the way to now to get to therapy, he, see, he gets a phone call and he says, oh, Kristen just canceled. Did you know what that's like? You've just screwed his entire day. You pissed me off as the mom. Who's going to get the phone call? I said, it's not going to be you guys. It's going to be me as the owner, right? I mm-hmm. said, and then guess what's going to happen? I'm going to turn around. I'm going to get pissed at your BCBA. I'm going to get pissed at you guys. Is it all because of this? And now the mom is dealing with little Johnny because you decided last minute you don't want to come in. Mm-hmm. I said, then that's one scenario. I said, the other scenario is going to be you're really pissed off boss. You're really pissed off BCBA. And you're really pissed off colleagues trying to figure out how to scramble to get your coverage. Mm-hmm. I said, so let's figure out, are you burnt out because you don't want to see him? I said, no, you guys are just wake up and you're like, I don't feel good today. Or... I'm really just burnt out and I'm going to tiptoe around telling people this. So let's just bring it to the surface because their eyes aren't always open to right. what's going on inside that, that home of little Johnny, because we're parents. We see this. Like I see it every day when there's a disruption amongst my own kids schedule. So they don't see those extreme situations. I said, but this, but this is reality. There's such a disruption in schedules if there's a small change in neurotypical kids' schedules, is it, but if there's a face on a schedule that's supposed to be yours that's seeing a kid and they're prepping their kids, right? Every night there's dinner, this is what's going to happen tomorrow. And it's drilled into their head and then tomorrow comes and there's a change. And their entire day is blown apart. This is especially hard for us in the clinic setting. Yeah, because that's... Um, we're school pretty much. So if we, we had a rotation for clients so they could see when they might be next on the cancellation list, because if we had all staff call out sick one day, we would have to call those clients and let them know that they can't come to the center. 
that throws off their whole day because they come to the center every day and then the parent has to find childcare. So it's, it's a huge thing, especially in the clinic. Yeah. And we actually had to be pretty strict with our staff about attendance. So we allotted sick days, we allotted unpaid time. So they couldn't even take off excessive unpaid time anyway. Um, I think it was five days or so unpaid time and then we would talk to them about it. So we had to be very strict because in the clinic, we have kids coming and we have to make sure we have staff for them. We can't just call and say, oh, the parent will, you know, just hang out with them. We're the ones responsible. So it was a bigger burden on us for attendance with staff. And also our staff really felt that camaraderie with each other where they knew that if they were out, the other teammates would have to step up and take over for them. So that really helped just having that team support and knowing that if I call out, someone else is going to have to do the work for me. Um, and that, that really helped them with attendance. So. Jim, what do you mean five days of unpaid? What do you mean by that? Um, so we had PTO time. So after the first year, our staff were able to get PTO or BT level. Mm -hmm. And that would be anything that is planned in advance. Mm -hmm. So if they have to take, they have to let us know in advance. So mm -hmm. I think it was a week or two in advance, they had to notify us. And if it was clear on the schedule, because we did have to check and make sure no one, out, no one else was out that day, um, they could take that time. But then if it was a sick day, it would be unpaid time. But then we also had some sort of limit. I'm forgetting because it's been a few years since I operated my clinic, how many days it was. But if we did have a number in their contract, so it was stated to them up front, and if they exceeded the unpaid time, then we would have conversations about how this was a burden on other staff. And that's, I mean, that's on them that they're not getting paid, but that really impacts all the other staff who are covering for them. So we did have to limit that at some point. We also have done, if it becomes a true problem, that after we've talked to them, that we just bump them down to part-time. Mm-hmm. We'll just say, look, until you can prove that you want to be here full time, you're down. You're down to 25 hours a week. And um, and we've had to do that to a couple staff and we end up losing them at some point. Some of them ended up stepping up and then some of them we've lost. But it, to me, it was something they were going to leave anyway. Yeah, they yeah. weren't taking it serious to begin with. And then when it turned into that, we're being proactive about it that pissed them off. Well, I don't care. This is about the kids, not your ego. So. Yeah. And it ended up saving us some problems because when we decided to drop them down to part time, we were immediately able to start shuffling the schedule and preparing for them to be gone. And then we weren't having the problems with the therapy not happening because we had already made we, we were being proactive and being able to plan ahead. And so they weren't putting us in such a rock and a hard place. But that that wasn't that's something else that we've done that's been effective for somebody if they're habitual, you know, I mean, at some point you got to say, look, we're done. <laughs> you know, you're just, you're not, you're not committed to this. So we can't keep investing the time in you, but dropping them from a full-time to a part-time was very, is very effective as well. Yeah. Those tend to just kind of weed themselves out. I've noticed they do. And the parents get frustrated. I am. Um, we had one staff member who started out really solid, you know, mm -hmm. but then over, over months, over it's a year, the performance just started decreasing and then the, you know, she would cancel sessions and she kind of go around the policy and hope that I wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. The mother would call the BCBA and be like, she canceled again. And the BCBA would tell me, and then she would go through this whole, you know, we like have talking like, did you forget the policy again? Like how many of you remind you the policy and make it really easy. Just go to me, forget the BCBA. I'll tell mom. 
And then after so many times, my mom's like, I just want her on 14. She lost her hours. And then after another person, and then she lasts so many hours that she's like, I can't sustain it. And I'm like, we're giving you hours. If you can't mm-hmm. sustain them, like, I'm so sorry. That this is your job to keep them mm-hmm. and keep performance level up. Like, our job is to make sure that you get them. Your job is to make sure you're performing so awesome. Right, you keep them. them right? Because we hired you at, at this level. Stay here. And I would always meet with uh, each employee every month and, and plot out. I would graph out the number of their cancellations and then the number of uh, client cancellations, especially when we were in home. What always tended to happen was as the uh, provider's cancellations increased, then the subsequent, the next month, the family would start canceling more. Mm-hmm. It kind of introduced this idea of, well, this is, this is something that we do when we feel like it. Yeah. And that really affected the parents' commitment to it as well. And so when I would sit with the staff, you know, each month I would have a one-on-one meeting with them. And I would go through their cancellations and I would plot it out. So over the months, you know, that they were with me, they can kind of see like, oh, boy, I cancel a lot. And they can just see those numbers themselves. And I also would, you know, calculate out what you were saying, um, Brooke, about how these are how many hours were available to you. Uh, and these are how many that you worked. And then I also plotted out, this was the income that was planned for you. This is the income that you made, that you worked, you know, and that as soon as I put into a monetary value for some, they were like, holy cow, because I would, I had a staff two years ago or so, but it was a really big issue. And the problem was, is that they felt really stressed, like they're working all the time, but their paychecks are are small. And so I kind of looked at it and and I said, well, you're working a lot of days, but not a lot of hours. So this tech would go do one session that she had scheduled in the morning and then cancel the last two or three or vice versa. Right. So when I showed them like, Hey, this is the income that you were planned to make. It made it a reality and it really hit them. Um, and it, they would start setting goals for themselves. You know, like the, the next month were like, okay, I, I'm going to make it so that I don't hit that number. And it was just, they needed it to be tangible. Like they became unaware of how many cancellations they were having, like someone said earlier, with parents. Um, but when you see it on paper, it's been really effective uh, because what happens is they go out of town a whole lot or they cancel a lot. And then the next month they're complaining they don't have enough hours. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Hopefully it was helpful. If you would like to gain access to this entire video and actually our entire library of videos, please join our ABA Business Leaders membership. You can find that at www.3piesquare.com. Our membership also includes 33 CEUs, live events where you can come on and ask general questions about the business of ABA, and our closed Facebook group. Again, this is Stephen Smith with 3Pi Squared. If you would like to learn more about 3Pi Squared and the services that we offer, you can check us out at our website, www.3piesquared.com. You'll also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thanks. Thanks.